Welcome to Linked Up, Breaking Boundaries in Education, a podcast that focuses on what is happening in education today, connecting everyone to the movers and shakers that are breaking boundaries in the education arena. Welcome to Linked Up, Breaking Boundaries in Education. Um, You know, we usually talk about in our podcast really uh, incredible educational topics, and this one is incredible, yet a little more serious and almost taboo. I feel like this topic we hear about on Law and Order episodes, and that's about it. And I think that's part of the problem. Oh, I think oh. you're right. But today we are going to dig into this, as our guest calls it, wicked problem. Mm-hmm. Um, our guest today is Ashley Bryant, and she is from the Three Strands Global Foundation. And our topic today is human trafficking. You know, I was on the plane yesterday and in the bathroom is the little sign that says, and I, as I look at that, I think, I don't know very much about this. Mm -hmm. What does this all entail? And so I am really excited to have this conversation today because I have a feeling I'm not the only one out there that doesn't know a lot about human trafficking. And Ashley can definitely shed some light on that for us. So welcome, Ashley. We are so happy to have you here with us today. Thank you so much, Jerry and Jamie. It's so nice to be here. I'm so glad to join you both. Yes. I thought you might want to start out with telling us a little bit about your foundation and what you do. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm the CEO and co-founder of Three Strands Global Foundation. We're a nonprofit that has been focused on preventing human trafficking through education and employment for the last almost 14 years. Um, Our programs are nationwide across the United States and in Canada as well. Um, and, And you actually bring up a really good point that human trafficking is, Jamie, as you say, often taboo. Um, it's a it is a wicked problem. It's it is you know thought of as an impossible problem to solve, and and many times people bury their heads. But it is um, a really important problem to address, especially when we know it is in hap- it is happening in all of our zip codes across the United States. Um, and so I think that alone is gives us um, the opportunity to be able to have the the conversation and dig deep into what it is and what it isn't, so that we can actually do something about it. Ashley, that's so true. I live in Kansas, and you would think Kansas, we're in the middle of the U.S., no human trafficking. I was in shock when a high school principal told us that we did have it right here in our schools. I couldn't believe it. So I think what we need to do first is define what is human trafficking. Yeah, it's a great question, Jerry, and I think that's right. So human trafficking um, is defined actually globally um, as both commercial, commercial sexual exploitation, or what we call sex trafficking, and um, forced labor, labor trafficking. So in the United States and around the world, we really track both those two components of human trafficking. And the other piece that's really important as we think about sex trafficking or labor trafficking is in the, the things that make us understand why or how would someone be prosecuted for this crime. And there are three words that help us sort of get to that place of, is this sex trafficking or forced labor? And those are coercion and force and fraud. So if there is coercion, if there is force or if there is fraud um, and there is commercial sexual exploitation and with those three or forced labor, then it is a, a crime of human trafficking. And I think the reason that it is hard to define sometimes for people to understand 
because the word coercion is a hard thing to sort of a net to crack if you think about it. Like what really is coercion? If I, you know, as one student once said to me, well, if I have my younger sister, I tell her she'll get a piece of candy if she goes up and gets my slippers. Is that coercion? Right. You know, there's there. It's a very it's a sort of a long um, um, continuum. And so but coercion and fraud and, and force are those three components that law enforcement look for in a crime of human trafficking. So hopefully that helps. You know, when we think about it, it's this umbrella of human trafficking and then forced okay. labor or commercial sex. Okay, that helps. That makes that makes sense. So, um, so these are those are the two basic examples of human trafficking. And so, and this might be a technical question, but when we talk about law enforcement, you just mentioned that are there two separate um, entities that look into human trafficking and and enforce that and. Or are they, uh, is that all under the same? Yeah, it's a great question, Jamie. So we have our local law enforcement. We have um, the FBI. There are, every state has state laws um, around human trafficking. Um, And so a prosecutor could hold a criminal um, accountable to a state law or federal laws because there are federal laws as well. So um, there are um, examples in the work that we do with the clients we call our survivor clients that we work with um, that um, ha- are actually testifying against their traffickers. Um, and it could be that there is a federal case or it could also be um, a state um, and local um, case as well. So it really depends on the prosecutor, but law enforcement, you know, the FBI, as well as HHS, as well as the DOJ, all of our federal um, agencies um, have a piece of combating trafficking in some way, shape or form. So you bring education around this to schools. And I think that's so fantastic because as we mentioned before, no one really understands it. No one, it's, it's this, see, obviously it's kept very secret. That's how um, people can be abducted um, because it's very um, covert, right? And, and not out in the open. Um, but we have to protect ourselves, our children, um, how did you get involved in this? Um, what is the type of education that you bring to students and what grade levels? Um, and how does it help? Yeah, absolutely. So I actually began this, the agency began 14 years ago this May, actually. Uh, and the story goes back to 2008. My good friend's daughter, 17 years old in high school, was hanging out with a bunch of other high school kids, um, actually in a sleepy suburb of Sacramento. There are about 20 or 30 kids hanging out, and they're befriended by an attractive uh, young man who kind of worked the crowd. Um, and what he was trying to do is figure out who was most vulnerable in the crowd. And as he asked questions of the students and got to know them a little bit, he was an acquaintance. And he knew some of the kids in town. They knew him, but they didn't know that he was a human trafficker. But the questions that he was asking were to figure out who was the most vulnerable. And unfortunately, my friend's daughter was the most vulnerable in the crowd. And so after hours of hanging out and socializing, he offered to take a bunch of the kids home in his Hummer. um, And they piled in the Hummer and he one by one dropped them off at their homes until my friend's daughter was the last one in the car. And when she passed her house and she said, hey, you just passed my house. He told her that he had other plans for her. And then he took her back to his family's house where he was living at the time. Um, And then he sold her on Craigslist. 
um, to a violent trafficker in the Bay Area who held her and sold her 15 to 20 times a day to men who were seeking to have sex with minors before she was recovered by law enforcement and then brought back to our sleepy suburb. So that really, yeah, so that story, I was, my career, um, it was in marketing communications. um, And um, as I sat around my kitchen table with my good friend, I mean, we unpacked, just like we, I was sharing with you today, what is human trafficking and how could this have happened in our neighborhood, just not even a mile from my house? Right. Um, we started to understand that this was a crime that happened actually across the United States and happened to um, lots of different kinds of people. And those who are vulnerable are what traffickers target first, but um, vulnerability can be in from one person to the next you know, could it happen to anyone really we talk about? So the trafficker was sentenced to 12 and a half years in federal prison. So it was a federal sentence. Um, he served 10 of those 12, sent- as 12 years and then was released in 2019. Uh, and oh my, my friend's daughter, um, you know, she has had um, a, a rough road. Um, it has not oh. been an easy journey. And as a survivor, the, our survivors um, are amazing individuals who um, have an amazing capacity to thrive um, and succeed. We um, need to break down barriers. We need to make sure that they are recovered and that they are, they are healed so that they can um, live the lives of freedom that they were intended to live. Ah, that's just really, really difficult. So difficult. You know, it's funny because you said they try to seek out the most vulnerable, but Ultimately, these survivors, I don't think vulnerable is a good word for them at all, it sounds like, to be able to come out of this and be strong enough to tell the stories, be strong enough to help in prevention by telling those stories. I mean, wow. Interesting to me because I would assume it probably took place in an area that uh, you wouldn't expect. It, It wasn't like, you know, a high poverty area. The other thing is um, the kids, my mom always said, travel with a group. They were traveling with a group. They were all together. So some of the things that you're saying really surprise me that that's the way it happens. What are some other misconceptions about human trafficking that we should know about? Yeah, it's a great question. So you know, I would say you talked about poverty. And so one of the things I had an opportunity to interview 65 men who had been convicted of murder, but had in some way, shape or form had trafficking experience, whether that was in their lives or that was that they were a trafficker themselves. And the wonderful part of the conversation for us at Three Strands Global Foundation was understanding why and how did they pick the people, the victims that they picked, right? So that we could, in prevention, really look about how do we prevent this from happening, knowing from them what they were sharing with us. So to your question, you know, the, the vulnerability um, happens if someone is poor, if someone is homeless, if someone is, there's food scarcity, if there um, is abuse in the family or domestic violence, that makes someone more vulnerable potentially. But if I'm someone who is a seeking attention or love, or I have been bullied terribly, I'm also vulnerable, right? If I have had um, suicide ideation or I ha- that, that also, or if I don't know my own value and worth, um, then I also am vulnerable. So traffickers share with me that any of those things are what they're seeking to figure out 
those vulnerabilities so that they can then deliver or give whomever that is, whoever is vulnerable, and that could be female or male or non-binary. It could be mm-hmm. someone who they actually say, this person is seeking love and I will be their love interest. Or this person is seeking out um, food and I will provide them food. Or they're seeking out shelter and I'll provide them a bed and a pillow to sleep on. Whatever that is, that trafficker meets that person where they're out and gives that to them and maybe their, their best friend and the person who provides and they feel safe and protected and then it flips, right? And then they say, hey, you know what? In order to make rent this week, we're going to have to do something because we don't, we were going to be back on the street. And if I've been homeless, I know what that's like, right? And so then my, this person who now I trust and I may love and have a connection to, I might say, okay, well, what do we need to do? Well, I've got these guys, they'll pay us a hundred bucks. All you have to do is sleep with them, right? And then we'll, we'll get, you know, a hundred dollars for each one or a thousand dollars for each hour, whatever it is, the price that that trafficker sets. And little by little, what happens is that individual, that survivor's mind becomes caged right in that space and freedom is hard to get away from. So this is a total psychological game. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it's not so much that they, not always that they are abducted and then sent away. There is a psychological stage here. And I guess that is to prevent that person from trying to leave. Okay. That's right. That's right. Absolutely, Jamie. And that's super important because we often think of kidnapping or abduction and that actually is far less. What happened to my friend's daughter is actually more rare. What happens more usually is if if our foster youth are are vulnerable and a trafficker knows if someone is in child welfare in the foster care system, that might be someone who doesn't um, understand their true value and worth in a way that I might pinpoint. And that's straight from the trafficker's voice to me during the time that I interviewed them. That, you know, whether it's a drop-in center or residential care or if they foster home, that trafficker knows that that might be a good um, person to target um, and pick um, it to be able to traffic. So they, they are, you know, the, the individuals I interviewed, it was really hard but it was incredibly powerful from a prevention perspective because then we could implement into our K-12 curriculum those things that would truly increase protective factors for these children. How do we increase resilience? How do we increase value and worth? What are the activities and the role play that our teachers and our counselors can be empowered to use in the classroom that then increases those protective factors so that if a trafficker online or in person thinks that this child is vulnerable, they'll remember these things that they've been taught yes. and that will be a protective ring around them. Oh so my gosh. So many things that bring me to more questions. I know, I know, but, I know. And I want to hear about the curriculum. I think that's so important for us to really focus on. But sure. I, Jerry has a question. I have a quick question before we leave the human trafficker. Is that person usually an individual or part of a larger group? Or single larger group or multiple larger groups? Um, what, how does that work? Yeah. So, you know, it's, in, it's a great question. So it could be an individual, right? It could be someone. Um, and, and I will say as a tangential comment for a second, we can go back to that there's familial trafficking in the United States. It actually happens more than we <sighs> actually know. And so a trafficker could be someone that's in your family. It could be someone that you know. It usually is someone you know. It's not a stranger. 
This isn't the movie taken at all. That's a myth. Okay. Um, this is someone that someone has known. Um, and it could be a group. It could be a gang. We know gangs that definitely um, are involved in human trafficking. And there are criminal enterprises that are involved in human trafficking as well. Um, but I think it's important to think about this can happen at home, locally. It's important to be able to think about that. That's why prevention education is so important for us across the United States. Um, and it can happen in gangs. It can happen in the criminal industry, too. Um, it could be any of those things, Jamie. Before we go to the curriculum, I have one more question. Yeah. You mentioned um, online, and you've been doing this work for over a decade. Has social media and online yeah. contact added to this problem? Yeah. yeah, absolutely it has. And it's, it's, it is the data that we're getting at Three Strands Global Foundation is um, sometimes, it's not only shocking, but it is, it takes my breath away. So we know from the National Center of Missing and Exploited Children that this last year there were 32 million reports of CSAM. CSAM is child abuse sexual material. So whether that's used for sextortion, whether that's used for trafficking in some way, 32 million. In 2002, there were only 417 reports. Wow. Oh my goodness. Right. So that tells you exactly, Jerry, that the explosion of social media has made it so that our Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat, they are the places where traffickers troll, right? They are sure. looking for those individuals who are vulnerable, who put something out in the world like, my parents are just, you know, they don't give me the freedom that I want. I'm so frustrated. I'm 15 right. years old. I can almost drive. And all of a sudden, a trafficker you know, is able to see that and, and befriends that person and maybe even disguises themselves as another 15-year-old. And I'll meet you at right. the school, school playground or I'll meet you at the movies. And that person thinks and builds a relationship and trust with that person. And then the shame sets in. Now, how do I tell my friends and family? And if I've sent pictures to this person because I think they love me, now they use those as blackmail against me and they'll send them to my family if I don't do what they say. And so this has just compounded the social media component into a place where we, it's even more important that prevention happens um, in the schools and with our teachers and our families. Our families need to also know, and um, we have a, a curriculum for parents and communities so that oh. they can know what to do as well. So important. Well, that leads us to the curriculum. And you said it's K-12. That's right. So tell us a little bit about that, because I think some people might say at first blush, what are you talking to kindergartners about sex trafficking? Yeah. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. So I love talking about our curriculum so much. And here's the reason. Because, you know, 14 years of research, Three Strands is, is founded on research. Everything that we do has quantitative and qualitative data in order to know if we're on track or not, if the impact that we're actually making actually makes a difference. So when we talk about kindergarten, we have survivors. We have a whole other side of the house that we actually have a direct services program where we serve survivors of human trafficking and place them into sustainable jobs. And we've placed over 900 survivors into sustainable jobs and education. So oh, because, of the, yeah, because of that data, we have the privilege and the honor of understanding the story behind the individual. And when was that individual abused in the home? And that happens when they're really little sometimes. Maybe they're five or six years old. Maybe as they are going home to a domestic violence situation or abuse situation, 
then from that, they're going to school, right? And if a teacher or counselor understands in the classroom that that might be happening, how can we make sure that our kindergartners understand what their inner voice is, which is the theme of our curriculum for kindergarten? And how and what does that inner voice tell them? It's their inner watchdog. And, and what about that inner watchdog makes me safe? And then as we go to, to fourth grade, so kindergarten through third is really about inner, their inner voice and building activities for them about boundaries. We have an activity where the kindergartners and first graders can choose in the morning to greet their teacher and their teacher's aide with a wave or a fist bump or a hug or a no thank you, I don't want to today. Um, but we teach them that to say, whatever you feel like today, you greet your teacher how you feel, right? And give them the opportunity to, to know what a boundary is. So really from kindergarten to third, it's about inner voice and boundaries. Then from fourth grade to sixth grade, it's safe people, safe choices, and safe places. And this is helping them understand as an individual, they have this hula hoop and it's impressing upon them this boundary again. That there's a hula hoop around them and whether they have actual hula hoops or they put their arms out as wide as a hula hoop, which is usually what it is. And we say, that's a boundary around you and you invite people into that space or not into that space. So if you want to be able to have a close friend that you trust, that you want to stay in that space, you know, you have that space, great. Or if mom or a dad or a grandparent or a foster or a caregiver or foster parent, but if that's someone that you don't, then you say, nope, that's outside the hula hoop. And we really do activities and role play the teachers and counselors to help them understand how to get that really those protective factors built. So that's really till sixth grade. And then in middle school, when federally, as you guys know, in classrooms, we start to talk about child abuse and both mental and physical and emotional abuse. Now we introduce human trafficking and that actual definition and what is human trafficking and how might that happen. And that actually happens in our middle school years. What is child abuse, sexual material, CSAM? What does it mean to be exploited online? What is forced labor? We talk about for the first time, you know, forced labor, because we know that those um, folks who may have become citizens in the United States, who have immigrated from here, that they too may be forced and to work. And children who are going to school need to understand, okay, is my, are my parents being forced to work without pay? And that's not okay. And who should I go to in school to tell that to? Um, be, who would be safe. And I've gone through my curriculum, so I know who are safe and trusted adults. In fact, one of the things I love is we do, what are the characteristics of a trusted adult, right? Really helping them see and understand the characteristics that make a trusted adult. And if I'm a parent who's a trusted adult, I'll, as a child, I'll know those characteristics. If I'm a coach who's a trusted adult, I'll know those characteristics as a child. Um, and then in ninth and 10th grade, that's the tool belt. We call it, really it's the tools for how do I as a peer protect myself and my peers from human trafficking? So as we're talking about dating, we're talking about interacting with other um, students, how do I make sure that my resilience is high and that I protect my peers as well as myself? Um, and then we also talk about getting jobs and what are fair wages um, wow. so that no one is exploited from a labor perspective. Right. And then as you get into 11th and 12th grade, we're launching them out into the world to be those who um, look beyond their school, beyond their peers to the world, and how can they engage in combating human trafficking and be part of the solution? And what yeah. that might they do from an advocacy, pers right. advocacy perspective, legislatively, how might they be students who create um, clubs at their school um, all the way through 12th grade? 
there are so many avenues that you need to cover with this. And that's another reason why starting at kindergarten is so important because you really, because of your research, your research with survivors, your research with human traffickers, you've been able to, ter- to determine the deep levels of the root cause. And so, then from so- there, it's like almost, you know, you've got that diagnosis and you're able to prevent uh, because of that. So, I mean, it, it's really brilliant. And just you know, to address Jerry's question, um, it's completely appropriate and it is um, delicate and done so in that manner and done so you know, based on the, um, the age level. I think it's brilliant. I love the advocacy component once they get to high school. Like, how can you? This is really, really amazing thing. So you've just been doing this, you know, 14 years is a long time, but it's not. I mean, look at what you've, you've grown here. And I, I love how you started with this, um, you know, you had a wonderful career, but then you realized, no, this is a mission I need. To, I cannot just go to put my head on That's my right. pillow at night without addressing this. Do and- schools around the country have this curriculum? Is it mandated? Um, yeah. Yeah, it's Give a great question, Jerry. Info yeah. about that. So um, the, what I love about this, we have, we're almost at a million kids at Three Strands Global Foundation. The oh, pr- program is called Protect uh, across the, the U.S. Right. And okay. um, there are states that it is mandated. In fact, in 2017, Three Strands Global Foundation wrote the very first legislation across the United States um, that mandated prevention education in the state of California. The teachers were trained every single year and that at least once in middle school and once in high school, students were educated. And then now 13 other states have followed suit um, and have different mandates. Um, And some states like Florida has a K-12 mandate. Other states have mandates like Washington and Utah, like our mandate that's middle school and high school. Um, The thing that the mandates are missing, which we need to be advocates for and we continue to be, is that there's never funding attached, which is a bummer, right? So, and the reason for that is all of these mandates go out with a funding component, but then through the amendment and the legislative process, the funding gets pulled out. So we, when Three Strands Global Foundation goes to these schools, we often look for grants um, if a school can't afford it. But Mm -hmm. there are different states that have buckets, as you very well know, where they can pull funding through either, um, you know, buckets around character or safety that this falls very beautifully in. So um, the mandates do exist in about 13 different states um, across these states. And the PROTECT program, which is our program specifically, um, has reached almost a million kids and over 120,000 counselors and teachers. Well, that is a good start, but it's not enough. Right. Right. The other thing I want to point out is you said some of them mandated one time in middle school and one time in high school that they're... That's not enough either. Yeah, right, right. It just and that's the flow right into the K-12 curriculum from my that's point right. of view. Right. And, and, and it's yeah. more than sex trafficking, right? It's just building a student to have confidence in themselves yeah. and that's right. character. So many things. It's so much more. And that, Jerry, is important because what we talk about is age appropriately. We need yes. to build strong children. I love Frederick yeah, yeah, Douglass's yeah. quote that says, it's easier to build strong children than repair broken men, right? That's one of my most yeah. favorite quotes by Frederick Douglass. And the reason for that is that's why our age-appropriate curriculum, let's make sure, because the traffickers, Jerry, to, um, to your point, or Jamie, to your point, the, the traffickers know they're savvy. So let's make yeah. sure that we have built these children with strong protective factors, 
with yeah. resilience so that they know when someone online says something like, whoa, wait a second, this isn't someone who's a trusted person in my life, right? And they can just be able to, in fact, I have an example in a protect curriculum for a high schooler, 14-year-old little boy who went through the curriculum with their teacher um, and was in the health class. That's where it was delivered. Um, and after the curriculum, he started to feel like, you know, I've been online with someone who I think might not be safe and trusted. Wow. And so and in the PE class, which was the next class he went to, he told his PE teacher was a trusted adult. The PE teacher came back to the health teacher together with the counselor on campus. They addressed it. It was a 50-year-old um, man who was, who had befriended him. They took care of making sure to keep that child safe. But all because that child went through that curriculum and the teacher yeah. explained and the child knew but intuitively that something wasn't right about that person online. Yeah. Intuitively. And I think when you're, when you're you that protect component and building um, the, these strong uh, young children, um, they are developing that intuition as well, I bet. And, you know, that gut feeling, it's so important. And teaching them about that is, yep. is really yep. uh, key. How do you, I'm, I'm assuming, um, yeah, some school officials may know about when you do, events like this or podcasts, it's, it becomes uh, known. But um, do you also get a lot of like parent groups who are a part of this, who, who really try to initiate the um, infusion of this into you know, the districts? Yeah, yeah, actually. So the, the parents are so important. And here's mm -hmm. the reason why, because those trusted adults that a child is going to choose almost always are their parents, right? So we have we actually have six different prevention education programs. Protect is one. Um, and then we have a parent and community program. Okay. And that's really for parents and caregivers. And so we offer that to the schools so that they can actually, um, we have, so our Protect curriculum is taught by teachers and, and counselors. And that's from our research, right? Okay. We could go in and, and there are nonprofits that go in and teach in schools, but you leave, right? And we want the teachers yeah. who see those kids every single day own it. Yeah. To, be, to own it. And there, so we have a taught, a trainer of trainers, and we make sure that they are the ones who are in, um, making the Protect program go throughout the school campus, but also teaching parents, right? Making sure that yeah. on those days where they have parent awareness nights, that they're bringing this parent and caregiver training to the schools. So that also exists through the Protect program and through Three Strands Global Foundation. And then we also um, have um, law enforcement training, juvenile justice, as well as we have social services and government victim services training. Um, there are lots of different other programs. That people can go to our website to threestrandsglobalfoundation.org. Um, and it's the number three, not the T-H-R-E-E. -E. Um, and hopefully you guys can put that up on the link too. Well, so that, yeah, they can see it. But, um, you know, I think that it's really important for us to look at when we want to combat trafficking, we have to do it from the community perspective, right? We That's need, right. and part of the PROTECT Absolutely. program also includes a protocol. We sit um, with our leadership in schools to make sure that they have a protocol specifically for human trafficking so that a teacher knows that protocol and knows what is their responsibility, even above and beyond mandated reporting. What is my responsibility if I see something in the classroom? If I watch the exchange between two students and one student's talking about this relationship online and how it's been so great, and I also know that the grades have been dipping for that student, then yeah. what is my responsibility to, and what's the conversation that I should have with that student to make sure that I, as the teacher, report 
that something is not going wrong right in that, with that right. student, right? Right. Yes. That and protocol. to see those little nuances to know that something's different. Something's, you know, they get really quiet or they are acting out. Well, and one of the things that we've done, which it, just this last year, we we partnered with a company in Germany and we took, we have 37,000 qualitative stories from our teachers and our counselors. We took all that data, which would take us years to read. And we, with this company in Germany, used natural language processing and, um, and AI to look for three things, behavior change in our teachers and our counselors, increased knowledge in our teachers and counselors, and increased awareness. And with, with a 96.3% confidence level, 70% of our teachers said that their behavior changed in their classrooms and with their interaction with their students based on the training when they understood what they should be looking for as it related right. to human traffic, which is right. huge, right? That's exactly well, right. Absolutely. Do yeah. you, so I'm assuming you have, you have trainers, but then I guess you mentioned you do like a train the trainer model for people within the district. Do you have a separate type of training for counselors than you do for teachers and then separate for administrators? Because administrators ultimately, you know, to build that culture, that's so important for them to be involved as well. Yeah. So I love that um, question, Jamie, because we actually have, so we have an online, it's 101 to 103. And we met, did focus groups with teachers, counselors, administrators for years, still do actually, um, so that we can understand how do we meet them where they're at, right? Not overwhelm them. So we right. have anywhere from, depending on the state, 60 minutes to 90 minutes of that training that goes through the entire district for administrators, for counselors, for teachers, for bus drivers, for yard duty staff, for cafeteria staff. Everybody goes through 101 to 103. And then our trainer of trainers goes directly for counselors and teachers, those who are actually interacting with the students or interacting with other peer teachers, right? So that they can then teach them each other or teach the students in the classroom. And that trainer of trainers can be done in person. So we can come, three strands can come in person, or we can do that virtually online, depending on what the, t- the student or the teachers and the district wants, um, which allows us to scale, right? The 101 to 103 is easy. We use our platform that scales to the entire district. And then the TOT allows us to go deep with counselors and deep and do role yeah. play with teachers. And that can be done either virtually or it can be done in person. Like this week, actually, we're in Laredo, Texas with um, our districts there, making sure that our teachers and counselors um, have that taught so that they can actually reach thousands and thousands of students. Oh, this Incredible. is so great. How can people, if their state doesn't have this, how can we start to advocate? Yes. Yeah. So I, you know, one of the things um, this week, actually in the next two weeks, I'm going to be in um, the state of Washington advocating. I'm going to be also in Washington, D.C. and New York um, and what we need is for parents and community members to go to their superintendents and to um, and yeah. say, we need this PROTECT program, this Three Strands Global Foundation PROTECT program in our schools. We can no longer, like we started this conversation, put our heads in the sand. Human trafficking is happening across yes. this nation. Right. We need to protect our students and we need to make sure they're safe and, and that they're empowered to be able to understand how to protect themselves. So they can go onto Three Strands Global Foundation website, click on Protect. They can go directly to us and act. We have 41 staff across the nation um, who actually can respond and be able to help them um, get this into their districts. At the state level, we need to ma- we need to advocate for mandates, but we need funding behind that. 
right? We need it so that our, our districts, that they have the money that they need. And then for our corporations, if our districts don't have the money, we need our corporations, Amazons of the world, the Facebooks and Meta of the world, for corporations to step in and say, we're going to cover a district. We're going to do it because it yeah. means that much to have our students yes. protected. Right. 100%. Absolutely. Oh, I, th- that is the best avenue for sure, especially since in those ca- in some cases, um, the, the social media is a uh, pipeline. That's right. That's right. That's right. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And right now, we have five bills federally that Three Strands has been advocating for. Mm-hmm. I'm happy to send all five of those to you. But there are different senators and Congress members who have been advocating for us federally to have bills where right. stopping child um, sexual abuse material, stop CSAM. That's um, Senator Blackburn in Tennessee. We have Chris Smith's office, Congressman Smith in New Jersey, who has long for 20 years been an advocate for protection of our youth um, in schools. And we have the reauthorization of the trafficking in persons legislation that is there. So many different, Jackson and um, Congressman Jackson, Jackson in Texas, lots of them who are pushing this legislation forward, but we need to be able to call our Congress members and say, and our senators and say, this is important. We need this legislation to get passed. And then I'll send those five bills so that the listeners can, yeah. can call their members and say, this is important for me and we want legislation to get passed in the space. Yes. So oh. this is a call to action right here, yes. right now. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. It's just, I mean, I have chills talking about this, not just because it's so fearful, but also just your passion and the work that you've put into this. I mean, uh, you're saving so many lives and not only saving lives, but also building, building um, children up. So that way, this is not going to happen. That's right. Amazing. And you know what? Then what I want to say, Jamie, because here's the thing: we know, especially you both, administrators want administrators want to protect children, but sometimes in schools, there's so many things to do yeah. and so much on their plate that we at Three Strands Global Foundation mm-hmm. want to make this easy. And so we want to encourage superintendents who are listening and administrators who are listening. You know, we want to help in this space. We want to make this easy. We want to make this onboarding easy as possible for you so that students are protected. And we know you've got so much on your plate. So let us help you. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Ashley, thank you so much. We're going to take all of your um, resources that you're providing and they are going to be in the show notes. So everyone, please check that out. Um, And we'll make sure that we are sharing this in all different channels so that it's because you've packaged it so nicely. You've given the background information that everyone has questions on, um, raise that important awareness, but then also shed light on the curriculum and how it really um, is so beautifully uh, spread out across the grade levels to build these empowered young people uh, who can uh, protect themselves and then ultimately Uh, become advocates as well, perhaps. And just, um, you're saving lives. So thank you so much. Thank you guys so much. Thank you so much for having me. I so appreciate the conversation and the questions and the engagement. It means so much to me and everybody at Three Strands Global Foundation and all the schools that are already um, using the Protect program. Thank you so much for advocating for this and for advocating for our youth. It means a lot. Thank you for listening. And if you would like to stay linked up, Be sure to follow us on Apple and Spotify. 
and subscribe to us on YouTube.